Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 5, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The book of Romans is a book of doctrine and theology and it's a deep, interesting book as we learn a lot about God and as we've learned a lot about ourselves. And according to the Bible, right about Romans chapter 3, verse 23, talking about yourself, Paul says, For we all have sinned and come short of what, saints? The glory of God. You know that. We all are sinners. So far in chapters 1, 2, 3, and a bit in chapter 4, Paul has accused all humanity of being guilty before God. And Paul's accused the heathen, the hypocrite, and the Hebrew of being guilty before God, as I said. And then, remember what I like to call... The miracle of justification. What's that, Rodney? Well, justification is simply this. When a man or a woman puts their faith in Jesus, the Bible says it's at that moment that God justifies them. Remember, I told you, you can look at the word justification just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way you look at it. So in other words, listen, the Bible's very clear that we're all sinners. We're born that way. We'll talk about it in just a minute. But because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, we're born with this sin nature and something needs to be done about it. So the Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, are you listening? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God takes your sin, your unrighteousness, And you put your faith in Jesus, God transfers that sin and that unrighteousness to the account of Jesus, which is good news. But the good news gets to be better news because not only does God transfer that sin of yours onto the account he imputes, reckons, or accounts righteousness to us. So God takes our sin, puts it on Jesus' account, and takes Jesus' righteousness, and you guessed it, and transfers the transaction to our account. And now we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the concept of justification. And we talked about last week, were you with us? That being justified comes with benefits. Benefits. I get all when I think of benefits. Can I get a witness? (laughs) I like benefits. And we have benefits 
There's benefits that come along with being justified. And one of them, as we talked about last week, look at Romans chapter 5 and look at just about verse 1. One of the benefits that come along with being justified is in verse 1, we have peace with God. Did you see that in verse 1? Peace with God. And not only do we have peace with God, but also we have the benefit of having access to God in verse two. Remember Hebrews chapter four, let us boldly come to the throne of grace that we might receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. God says, come on in. You can pray any old time because you have access because it is a benefit of being justified. And not only do we have peace with God and access to God, but we also experience the grace of God. Remember in verse two, go ahead and look at it again in your Bibles. In this grace, we stand. So we have peace and we have access and we have grace. And then we have the benefit of rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God in verse two. And not only that. The benefit of being able to rejoice in tribulation because our, tribu- our tribulation, remember we talked about it? It has a purpose. Our suffering has a purpose. And what's that purpose, Rodney? To adjust your perspective on eternal things. And that begins to produce patience and perseverance. And perseverance produces character. You find that in verse 4 in your Bibles. And character produces the benefit of hope. And hope, verse 5, will not disillusion us. Hope in Jesus will never disappoint you. Saints, listen, hope in Jesus will never disappoint you. Will somebody say amen? amen. Hope in Jesus. I've, never been, I've been a Christian for 25 years, a quarter of a century. I've never been disappointed. I've never been a moment where I said, I wish I hadn't become a Christian. This Christian thing is hard. No, the Christian thing is not hard. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The Christian thing is about about empowerment. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. We talked about that last week. For the love of God in verse 5. Would you mind looking at it in verse five? The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. We talked about that last week. If you've missed it, pick up a CD copy after church today. Now, listen, the love of God is what give me your attention. Look at me. The love of God is what ties together verses 1 through 4 and verses 6 through 11. Verse 5 ties those verses together, the love of God. And it's the love of God, are you listening, that is poured out in our hearts that enables us to rejoice in tribulation. So beginning in verse 6, Paul now describes that love. Paul now describes that love in verses 6 through 11. And that love that Paul is describing, the love of Jesus, is seen in the cross. You're taking notes? You write that down. The love of God. You want to know if God loves you? Look at the cross. That's what we're going to talk about today. 
Paul describes that love that we've been talking about in verses 6 to 11. Now, Romans chapter 5, having said that, picking up in verse 6, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. For when, Paul says, we were still without strength. Would you underline that in your neighbor's Bible? When we were still, notice, without strength, in due time, what did Jesus do? He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God, but God, you know, we could talk all day on these two words, but God, but we won't, but we could. But God demonstrates his love in verse 8 toward us in that while we were still sinners, read it with me, saints, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were sinners, now here's the argument Paul masterfully puts before us. For if when we were sinners or enemies, we, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Have you ever read a verse? In the Bible. And after you read the verse, you say, wow. Anybody? Yeah. This happened to me the other day. I read this verse in verse six. For when we were still without strength. In due time, Christ died. For the righteous folk. Is that what it says? No. For in due time, Christ died for cute people. Is that what it says? Now, y'all need to say a better no than that. You know you ain't cute. All right. <laughs> y'all never said, mm -mm. For in due time, Christ died for who? For the ungodly, you see that. This word, listen, without strength, this phrase, for when we were still without strength, is the same word used in the Gospel of John, right about chapter 5, of the man who had an infirmity. Perhaps you're familiar with that story. He had an infirmity for 38 years. He was without strength. This word has the sense of powerlessness, that is debilitating and slowly taking all of our hope and all of our strength away. This is the description, saints. Remember I told you Romans is a book on theology. It's a book of theological terminology. And here we have the idea talking about being without strength. Are you listening? Talking about being without strength. Talking about being powerless. Here is the idea, theologically, that man is totally depraved. This idea of total depravity, that man is totally through and through depraved. There's nothing good in us. 
Now listen to this. Total depravity, I need you to listen closely. Total depravity doesn't mean that man is as bad as he could be. That's not what it means. Total depravity means at no point is man as good as he should be. That's what it means. We are totally, completely depraved. We have a sinful nature. We are born into the world. Are you listening? With a sinful nature. Friday. Picked up Ray from the airport. Had to make some hospital visits, so I figured we'd just go on and stop at the hospital. I don't know if you know David and Rhea. They work in the projection ministry. And Rhea, uh, she had a baby girl. So we go up to the hospital. I, I, I'll go in the room, and, and Rhea's with her baby. And this baby is the cutest, most beautiful baby you have ever seen. She is also, are you listening, the biggest baby girl that I have ever seen. Born into the world like hours we got there. This girl, hold on to your heart. This girl was born, her name is Sophia. Sophia, isn't that a beautiful name? Doesn't that make you want to go, oh. <laughs> Sophia came into the world. And she was 9 pounds, 13 ounces, 22 inches long. I said to Rhea, I said, Rhea, you didn't have a baby girl. You had a turkey, child. <laughs> I said, you said, boop, popped out a turkey. That baby is huge. She is so cute. And she's so big. I'm holding her. And I said, you little chunky monkey, you just so cute. Her little skin is so soft. And I'm just holding her and standing there and rocking her and touching the baby's skin. It's like, it's like so soft and it's so, you know, it's amazing how when you get old, how your skin start looking like this. And, you know, even doing worship, our first service, I remember I'm worshiping Jesus. I exalt you. And I'm thinking, man, I need some lotion. Look at my, I came on the pope. I need some lotion. Because, you know, you get older and your skin starts changing. But this baby, I'm holding this baby. And we have to realize that this baby is so cute and just looks so innocent. But yet the Bible teaches, are you listening? When that baby came in the world and took her first breath into the world, she also began to die at that very point. Not only physically in that you're going to get older and you're going to die. Of course we are. But the Bible says when you are born into the world, you are born with a sin nature. You are totally depraved. And even as that baby would just lay in my arms in the cutest, beautiful skin. And she had hair and she was beautiful and, and just, just gorgeous. She has a sin nature. Even that baby is totally depraved. The total depravity of man. The Bible teaches that when you come into the world, you come into the world dead. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us. And you, he made alive, Paul says, who were, you know the verse? Dead in your trespasses and sins. When we were dead, we were powerless. We were without hope. 
We were without strength. We were lame. There was nothing lovable in you. You got it? There was nothing. Listen, God didn't love us because he was overwhelmed with our cuteness. God loved us even while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And when did he die for us? Look at it again in verse six in due time. I could spend all day on verse six. Lord, help me. He died for us when saints in due time or at just the right time. The Bible says Christ died for us or that word for could better be translated Bible students instead of or you could write it in your margin on behalf of Christ died instead of or on behalf of ungodly people. Wow. In due time. When did he die for us? In due time. It may seem late to some people, but Jesus work on the cross was done at the perfect time in God's plan. Amen. Saints Galatians chapter four tells us when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Do you know that's the Christmas story? Do you know that's the Christmas story? Galatians 4. Christ died for us. God sent forth his son in due time. Now, from the Old Testament, listen. From the Old Testament, the end of the Old Testament, to the beginning of the New Testament, we call that the silent years. Those were 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it was during those 400 years that God was not speaking to man. And God was not speaking through man. No prophets, no scripture, no revelation. Heaven was silent. But it was also during these years that God was preparing to keep his appointment with the world by sending Jesus on Christmas morn. And when Jesus came into the world, listen, the world was prepared. How so, Rodney? Spiritually, economically, linguistically, politically, philosophically, geographically. When Jesus came into the world, everything was set up so the gospel could be spread in due time. But also in due time means that Jesus died at the right time. In other words, he died when we were sinners who needed a savior. He died for the ungodly for scarcely look at verse seven in your Bibles for scarcely for a righteous man will one even dare to die. Listen, give me your attention. We hear of heroes, even while I was preparing sometime, believe it or not, I like to prepare and I'll have the news on CNN, you know, WREL news, whatever. I have the news on. And while I was preparing even this study, Friday, I'm sitting there talking about heroes. I don't know if you heard the story Friday of this woman who over in Durham. Did y'all hear this story? And she ran, she went across the bridge and she ran off the, off the bridge and ran through the guardrail and, and her, her car. Did, y'all, did anybody hear that story? Okay, good. That was a, nobody in first service heard this story. I was like, oh, y'all just, y'all, y'all, do y'all watch the news? Y'all are familiar on world events in first service. They're like, no, we don't know anything. All right. So this story, this woman runs off the bridge 
and, and her car goes into the water, turns upside down, and she's trapped. And following behind her was a male and a female. And they pulled off, of course, and they jumped out of their cars and they ran into the water and they obviously had to break the window or something like that to get the woman out of the car because the water was filling up. And, 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 and they saved this woman and they did a story on, you know, the, the woman and, and, and the people who saved her. And the, the lady said, oh, they're my heroes, she said, because they, they, they jumped in and they, and they saved my life. Oh, we hear stories of heroes. We hear of firemen who run into buildings that are being burned and to save the lady or to save the baby, and the fireman runs in and sacrifices his well-being to go into the burning building to save the lady and to save the baby. The fireman comes out with the baby, and people go, oh, you're a hero. You saved people. But listen, yes, they are heroes. Yes, they did go into bad situations. But let me help you understand something with Jesus. Are you listening? It was different because Jesus is the greatest hero. Somebody say amen. Jesus is the greatest hero. And that when Jesus came into the world to pull us out of the fires of hell, if you will, Jesus came different than the guy who saved the lady or the guy who saved the baby in the burning building. Jesus came into the world knowing that he was going to die. You see, the fireman goes into the building hoping to come out with the person. Somebody say amen. Help me. The, the guy and the lady went to save the, the lady in the water not to sacrifice their life but hoping to get the lady and to bring her with themselves out of the water. Jesus came into the world understanding prior to coming that he was going to die for the ungodly. Amen. That he was going to give his life for us. He understood that in the beginning. And yet... That's why the Bible says, by no means, and listen to me close, did anybody kill Jesus. Nobody killed him. The Bible says that he gave his life. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten. Nobody killed Jesus. All the Romans and the Jews, they killed Jesus. No, they didn't kill him. He voluntarily laid down his life. Scarcely, notice in verse 7, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still actually in the Greek language, still in the process of sinning. Christ did what? He died for us. How do you know that God loves us? We know that God loves us because he laid down his life for us. In other words, God loved us so much, listen, that he did something with that love. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love toward us. God did something. Search the scriptures. See if you can find a place. Matter of fact, I'll buy you lunch. Maybe not. But search the scriptures and see if you can find a place where Jesus face to face said to someone, I love you. 
You won't find it. Now, we do get close to that. And we can see Jesus in circles of people. But to look face to face and say, Jesus to say to an individual, I love you, you won't find that in the Bible. And the reason for that is that because Jesus understands that it is more important to show someone you love them than to tell them you love them. Wives, say amen. And you know that's right. You know, wives are all the time. Well, if you love me, then you show me. You say it, but you don't mean it. No women. Well, if you love me, then give me your credit cards. <laughs> give me some money if you love me. Husbands say, well, if you love me, then cook me something to eat. Say amen, fellas. You know, that's why. Right. Give me something to eat. Because if you love someone, here's my point is simply this. If you love somebody, then you show them. You don't just tell them. So Jesus didn't walk around telling people, hey, love you. Love you, mean it. Yeah, man. Love you. Yo, man. Me and yeah. Love you. Dude, hey. Love you. He didn't do that. And the reason why, 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 Rodney? Why didn't he do that? Because he knew, listen, he knew January 23rd, 1982, which is the day I gave my life to Christ. He knew he wasn't going to be here that day. And he knew that I, Rodney, am going to need to know his love. I, Rodney, am going to need to know the power and the presence of God. And he wasn't going to be here to say, hey, Rodney, love you, mean it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.